Hear the gospel of our Savior Christ, according to St. Luke, beginning at chapter 10, and beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others, and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the labourer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe it off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. on the life 
of this eunuch, and I'm sure uh, that eunuch, when he returned to Ethiopia, shared widely the joy he had uh, in Philip. But as we read about this little exchange, as we read about uh, this gospel message this evening, there are two main points I would really like to draw out for us uh, this evening, especially for us as a community of people who aspire and are called to this ministry of the diaconate, which Philip fulfilled as some of those as one of those first seven so many years ago. And so first of all, I want to draw out of this passage in the Acts of the Apostles the, the importance for us as ministers and for us as Christians to be filled and animated by God's Spirit, to be led by God's Spirit, and to possess the sort of godly character that that produces. And secondly then, I want us to spend a moment considering Philip's presentation, his proclamation of the gospel to that eunuch, uh, and the importance that that role of proclamation still holds for us as deacons and ministers today. So scripture tells us fairly little about Philip. There's not very much that we know about his background, where he was from, indeed family, or anything like that. We're not even told how he came to faith. The first mention of him is a little before uh, our reading this evening in Acts chapter 6, where we're told that he was one of the seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom they appointed and ordained as those first deacons some 2,000 years. And we see in that little summary, good men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. You know, wonderful little microcosm of the sort of character God desires for his ministers. And we see uh, those traits and that character then confirmed in this exchange between Philip and the Ethiopian leader. Our passage opens that telling us that Philip was guided by the angel of the Lord. He was instructed by the Spirit of God to go to this road which led to Gaza. The Spirit then told Philip to run after the chariot of this government officer and to minister to him. This characteristic of Philip, being filled and open to the Spirit of God, as I say, is something which we all as Christians, and most especially as ministers, ought to pursue. Because a ministry or a Christian life which does not include the Holy Spirit, and which is not open to his leading and his guidance, is ultimately a deficient and a shallow thing. Because it is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our ministries that gives us the help and the strength that we need in order to do the things which we are called to. We read, in, as I mentioned in Acts chapter 6, that uh, 
Philip was a man of good repute. That almost certainly says something to us about Philip's conduct, that he was a man who pursued holiness, that he was a man who sought to keep the commandments of God, to live a life honouring to him. But without the Spirit of God, Philip could never have done that. We need the Spirit of God for our character, for our aid, for our sustenance. The Holy Spirit is that very strength which we read of in Isaiah, that Isaiah promised to the people. It's that strength that lifts us up on wings like eagles, and that we may walk in the way of Christ and not grow weary. We must seek the Lord in earnest prayer, desiring this strength and this aid from the Holy Spirit, asking for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, asking for that strength to pursue the Lord. And we must be attentive to the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's one thing to desire the Spirit, one thing to receive the Spirit, but it's quite another to, to uh, follow his prompt and his guiding and his leading. Because we have to ask the question too, what if Philip had never listened to the Holy Spirit that day? What if the words had come to Philip, you must go to the road to Giza, and Philip had said, I don't think so, dangerous road. That, that doesn't seem right out of ourselves still in a dark and hostile world. There was, we were reading 
than a fish can detect poison in the water. So often it's too late. But it is the spirit that gives us the aid and the strength to resist it. Our society today doesn't need artificial, ornamental religion. We don't need kind of pulpit ornaments to whisper into ancient ears. We need men and women of God who are on fire for Jesus Christ and filled with his spirit to proclaim boldly that message of joy and light. That powerful gospel of Jesus. What a joy it is for us to serve our God as gospel ministers like that. Himself was so bold in that in the face of such awful persecution. And we have a wonderful reminder of this ministry in our liturgical tradition. Liturgically, it is the role of the deacon to read the gospel passage. And this is announced in the ordination <coughs> service. The bishop stands up and says the deacon may read the gospel. But this tradition reminds us of our call to go out into the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus. To open the scriptures and to show people the gospel just as Philip showed the eunuch from the prophet Isaiah. Showing people that wonderful news of the Lamb of God who was slain for us. That wonderful news that although we are sinners, enemies of God, imperfect, deserving of wrath and death, that even though, even in spite of all of that, seemingly beyond all hope, even then, the Lord of heaven, the creator of the world, has come down to earth and become like us, born of a woman, to live the life of a servant, and by a criminal's death, to save you, to save me. This is how we know what love is, that he laid down his life for us. And what a blessing, what a joy divine, that God should so love the world as he did his son. This is the glorious gospel that Philip was able to draw out from those words in Isaiah of that lamb led silent before all the shearers. This is the gospel that has the power to transform, which gives strength to the weak and sustains the weary. Sometimes we may be tempted by the very world we seek to enlighten. To think that we ought to modify this message or to add to it. But we must beware. We must always say with St. Paul that we are not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the very power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. 
let us rather heed his warning that if anyone preach any other gospel, then let him be cursed. Because it doesn't matter what qualifications we might come with. It doesn't matter what sort of reputation they might come with. If anyone preaches any other gospel, let him be cursed. Jesus, glorious salvation.